Good morning, everyone. Uh, so glad to be here today. My name is Chad Gwinnett. I'm the Ontario pastor, and we are so glad to be here today. I want to welcome everyone and also welcome everyone that is online. Um, just, we're just so glad that you are with us this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that you get to sit next to me. Go ahead and tell them that this morning. This morning, I also want to just honor Pastor Micah and Pastor Angel, our pastors here. Love them. We wouldn't be where we are today. So thankful for them and everything and just always encouraging and always loving. Um, it's just amazing um, to have pastors who have that heart. Um, so if you don't, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm the Ontario location pastor, and I just want to say thank you to all of you. Uh, thank you for believing in expanding. Thank you for believing in growth uh, because of just you and, and what you guys have done and believing Ontario has been just doing some amazing things lately. Uh, just last week, we went over 200 people for the very first time. Yes, it was amazing. We've started two services, um, and it's just, even today, uh, it's been going great over there. Uh, we've been baptizing and just people coming to Jesus from Bucyrus, um, from Shelby, from Galleon, from Crestline, from Ashland, uh, from Ontario. In fact, um, quick story, um, we had our people outside who were just waving to everybody, you know, doing signs, just like they have here for our parking lot and our greeters. And it was amazing because a couple was driving down the road. They saw us about a block down the road, turn around and came back. Um, and then they told us when they walked in, they're like, hey, we saw everybody waving at us. We were actually going to our church. We saw the energy that you guys had outside, and we wanted to see what was going on inside. So it's great to see that, yes. This morning, I, uh, there was a joke I want to tell you. A couple were busy shopping um, just before Christmas. And the wife knew that there was a lot of shopping that had to be done. There was a to-do list and everything that they had to finish. And, and so she was doing everything. She turned around and looked and saw that her husband was gone. So at that moment, knowing that there was a huge list uh, that had to be done, she calls her husband and says, where are you? You know that we have things that need to be done, but where are you? And uh, he said on the phone, he says, do you remember that jewelry store that we went to about 10 years ago? He says, you fell in love with that diamond necklace. He says, I could not afford it at the time. And I said one day, I would get it for you. And with tears flowing down her face, and she's all choked up and says, yeah, yeah, I remember I remember that, that moment. He replies and says, well, I'm in the gun shop next door if you need me. It's amazing to see uh, just with our, I have four daughters all under the age of nine, Macaria, Fiona, Arwen, and Vienna. Um, when you see Vienna, you'll know exactly who she who's, she's is because she's me with curly hair. And about this tall. But uh, during Christmas, it was great because a couple years ago, they were unwrapping gifts. And, 
you know, they, uh, they unwrapped one of their gifts that kind of looked like this. And I remember them unwrapping the gift, looking inside, pulling it out and grabbing the box and walking off. And started to play with the box. Anybody ever had their kids or grandkids or anybody playing with the box instead of the toys, right? It's happened a few times. And I just remember thinking and telling my wife, like, it would have been a lot cheaper to just buy a bunch of cardboard boxes for them. Um, but this morning we're talking about unboxed. Look at your neighbor and say, unboxed. Unboxed. The definition of box is a container with a flat base and sides, typically square or rectangular, and having a lid. Examples of some boxes are, are a case, a chest, a, a trunk, a, a coffin, or a casket. In fact, we live in a world of boxes. Did you know that Amazon ships 1.6 million boxes a day? 1.6 million Amazon boxes a day on the average. And probably during the month of December, it doubles. There's so many boxes. There's mailboxes. There's moving boxes. In baseball, there's the batter's box. In hockey, there's the penalty box. There's a box of donuts and a box of cookies. There's take-home boxes. In Valentine's, men get their wives or, or their girlfriends, they get them a box of candy. Taco Bell has a $5 box. Anybody praying about that one, right? In boxing, there's boxing. Basketball, there's boxing out. There's jewelry box. There's shoe box. I asked my wife out by having her check yes or no on a box, right? There are so many different types of boxes. We live in a world that there's just boxes everywhere. And I could, I mean, I did a lot of research of how many boxes there were, but there are so many boxes. Pastor Josiah says, he goes, I choose to think outside the box. I'm claustrophobic. Yeah, I told him not to use that one. But anyway, but this morning we're talking about being unboxed and what that means. If you have your Bibles or you can read along with us on the screen, uh, we're turning to Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, and it says this. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. And in verse 14, it says, Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. As we read this, I think of just what, how amazing this story is. See, 
if you do some research, scholars will tell you about the village of, of Nain. Nain is pleasant. It means nice and beauty. It's 20 miles from Capernaum. It's about six to nine miles from Nazareth. It's small, it's unimportant, and it's a little village. Some scholars will tell you that probably less than 200 people live there. And the people of Nain, they, they undoubtedly knew who Jesus was. But this particular day, they weren't looking for Jesus. They weren't searching for Jesus. They weren't seeking Jesus out. Today, they were burying a young man. Sometimes pain comes to pleasant places. There's pleasant places that the pain will come to when you, never, when you don't understand about it. No one is exempt from facing tough times. It goes on to say in verse 11, it says that Jesus had a large crowd following him. And the funeral had a large crowd following her. See, when Jesus came to this place with a crowd and he confronted another crowd coming out, Jesus was coming in and the crowd was coming out. One crowd following the Savior. One crowd probably screaming and, and yelling and, and singing songs of worship and just, just amazed by just being in the presence of Jesus is walking in as one crowd is probably their head down, feeling depressed, feeling lost. They're following fear. They're following death, depression. I've spent time in both crowds. I have spent many Many times in both crowds where there have been days where I just felt like excited about what God is doing, but there have also been times in my life where I felt like I just couldn't go any farther. Like my whole life was wrecked. These two crowds are coming together. Two crowds were about to encounter one another. The question I have for you this morning is, which crowd are you following? See, one was following death and destruction, and the other one was following the Savior, following Jesus. But they were about to collide. They were about to come together. And for someone today, you may be praying and saying, God, I need to encounter you today like never before. I have been down and out, but today I need to collide with Jesus. Someone may need to collide to encounter Jesus today. The culture will tell you that the woman was totally dependent upon a man for provision, for protection. And death was all that she knew, being a widow. She knew death. This house that she had was now empty. She had lived for, with her son. She depended upon him 
to take care of her. But everything she has now is gone. She was absolutely devastated. Her life was wrecked. The past said you no longer have a husband. The present says you no longer have a son. The future says that you will struggle, that you will not get over this. See, the woman in the stage that where she is at this moment has only a very few options. She can beg for family members to bring her in, or she can be on the streets begging for her life. The woman feels like she has lost everything. But what she doesn't realize, coming down that dusty road, is a man who can save her life. Jesus is on the way. Jesus is coming down that road. And for some of us, and I have been there in my life where I felt like I couldn't move any farther, but the only thing I did, I just kept going and kept going, and Jesus encountered me. Jesus intervened in my life. And today, you may need Jesus. You may need to have Jesus in your life. The woman wasn't even looking for him. When Jesus encountered the woman, it's amazing to see what happened. In verse 13, it says, When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. And he said these two words. He said, don't cry. Jesus leaves his followers. He goes out of his way. See, this little village from where Jesus was to where he's going, takes about eight to 10 hours of walking. Jesus went out of his way to go to Nain, and Jesus will go out of his way for you. Jesus will go out of his way. You may feel like I'm so far behind, like I can't go any farther, but Jesus will go out of his way for you. What other reason did Jesus have to go to Nain other than to encounter this woman? And he walks up to the woman with compassion filled and he says, don't cry. If I can be honest with you for a second, if it was anyone but Jesus, they would have got punched in the face, right? If there was anyone but Jesus, they may have gotten tackled. They something, but Jesus walks up and says, don't cry. Why shouldn't she be crying? How could she not cry when all hopes are crushed? See, they would have been unkind coming from anyone else because she had plenty to cry about. But Jesus says, don't cry. He had compassion for her. He found her just where she was and still loves her. He still loves her, even though she feels broken, even though she feels wrecked. Jesus still loves her, and Jesus 
still loves you. He has compassion for her, and he has compassion for you. There's something very comforting in knowing that when I'm in pain, God's heart still goes out for me. There's something comforting in knowing that the one who really loves me knows my pain and feels my pain. He cares for me and wants to comfort me. He is not a cold and distant and helpless God who just looks at me and says, hey, good luck, Chad, but he has compassion for us. He loves us. In Psalms 103.13, he says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Psalms 34.18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There is one. There is one who loves us and understands our pain. He understands who we are. He understands what we're going through. Even at your lowest point when you feel like you have nowhere to go, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and you can still find Jesus today. The woman, she wasn't crying out for Jesus She probably was walking with her head down, crying because of just what happened. She wasn't trying to look. She wasn't running after Jesus. She was just in a fearful state of mind. She was in a very depressed state of mind at that time. But Jesus had compassion for her. You may not be looking for Jesus today, but Jesus is looking for you. You may not understand what Jesus can do in your life, but Jesus still has compassion for you. Jesus still loves you, and he's still wanting to be in a relationship with you. Jesus has shown up. And when he showed up, he did something amazing in verse 14. It says, then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. He touched the coffin. If you do research, you'll you'll see that as he touched the coffin, most of the people would have looked at that as, you can't do that because you're touching something that is unclean. You can't do that in that culture. But Jesus didn't care about that. He didn't care about what was going on. He cared about the woman. He cared about the boy. And he cares about you today. He wants that relationship with you. Jesus takes on the sins of the world. He takes in the darkness. And he is the light that is shining brighter than anything else we can imagine. It's amazing to see that when Jesus touched the coffin, the bearers, the pallbearers, stopped. Started to think about this for a moment of why would the pallbearers stop when Jesus touched the coffin? They could have just kept going. But the power of Jesus tells us this, that even though those that may be dragging us to death and destruction, even though those that we are following are taking us this way, the power of Jesus can stop 
anything. The power of Jesus can stop that direction where you thought you were going and turn you around and send you exactly where we need to go. The power of Jesus. He looks at the young man and he says, young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Young man, he said, I tell you to get up. So many times we are asking myself, God, I want you to do this in my life. God, I want you to help me. God, I need healing. God, I need to find direction. And we're asking for God, and he goes and touches the thing that is stopping us, the, the, the box with the lid. He goes and touches us, but we're still laying there. Jesus is saying, get up. Do something. I've helped you out, but we're still laying there like, come, come on. I need some more help. No, today, church, we need to get up. We need to stop just laying back and waiting for everything else to give to us. But we need to get up. And the Bible says not only did the boy get up, but he got up and started to talk. He, he got excited. I don't know what he said. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I know that if I was dead and now I'm alive, I'm going to be praising Jesus. I'm going to keep going and say, God, I love you. I'll be singing some songs even though I don't even like to sing and, and it's not even good for anyone else to hear me sing. But I want to sing the glories and the praises of Jesus. It's amazing about this story because if you read the story before this, you'll read about a centurion servant You'll read about a centurion who was a man. He was a Gentile. He was in the ruling class. He was powerful. And he asked Jesus not to go and touch a servant, but he knew the authority that Jesus had. And he said, if you would just say the words, she'll be healed. His servant would be healed. And Jesus was moved by his faith. But you go into this story and you read something totally opposite because not a, it's not a centurion, it's a widow. It's not a man, it's a woman. It's not a, a Gentile, it's a Jew. It's not the ruling class, it's the lower class. It's not a powerful man, but it's a powerless woman. And you read about all of these and Jesus had compassion for her. And when I read these two stories, I, I understand this, that Jesus does not play favorites. Salvation is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. It doesn't matter where your background is, where you've come from. It matters of where you're going and knowing who Jesus is in your life. In 2019, it might have been a great year for you, or it might have been a horrible year, but it doesn't matter. What matters is where we're going in 2020, where we're going starting today, and knowing that I want to encounter Jesus like never before. I want Jesus to do something in my life like he never has before. Jesus took the initiative. He took the initiative. And today, he's taking the initiative with you. He takes the initiative, and he 
loves you. When we come to Jesus devastated, when we come to Jesus broken, spiritually dead, he still has compassion and the ability to give you a new life. I don't know if if he can do that because you don't understand where I've come from. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand. Because it's, it's really, my, my, what, what I have done has been really bad, and there's no way that God will intervene. There's no way that God will step up and help me out. I'm here to tell you that's just a lie from the enemy. Because it doesn't matter. Because Jesus has compassion. Jesus loves you. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Church, today, we can live that life that Jesus wants us to live. But it happens when we decide to accept who Jesus is. Because Jesus will stop. For you. He's not going to stop for me. I know you're supposed to say that. There's no way that he would. Here's the amazing thing that I love about this story. Is Jesus knew exactly when and where to intervene with that woman. He went way out of his way. See, the Bible says that there was a large crowd following him. He was going in, and they were going out. When he, what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use for good. When you think, like, the only thing I have left to do is just to leave. I gotta, I, I'm broken. I'm out of control. I'm out of luck. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm out of time. I'm out of options. Jesus is coming for you. And he's there waiting to touch your life, to touch that one thing in your life where you're like, I just need him to intervene right now. He, pre- he knows exactly where to meet you at. And he wants to meet with you today. He wants to meet with you today. Because he loves you. Because he has compassion for you. As this year is closing out of 2019, don't rule out that God is not going to come into your situation for 2020. But for 2020, and we're not going to wait a couple of days, we're declaring it today. We're saying, God, I need you to touch my life. 2019 was a bad year for me. 
2019 was something that I just, I don't know if I, I can't, I can't handle another year like that. It's because 2020 is going to be a year that God intervenes for you. There's only one time in the Bible in the New Testament where the word box is used. In the Old Testament, you'll read a lot about the Ark of the Covenant and the box. And, but in the New Testament, there's only one story that a box is being used. And it's in the Gospels. In Matthew and Mark, they talk about it. But it's the alabaster box. The Bible says that a woman had an alabaster box full of perfume. And it was not just any perfume, but it was very expensive perfume. In fact, they would tell you that the smell of this perfume would automatically let others know who she is. This woman had this perfume because she, it, was, it labeled who she was. It labeled what kind of woman she was when she was on the streets. When she would walk and have this perfume on, the men of the town would smell that and know exactly what type of woman she was. She brings her perfume to Jesus. And the Bible says that she didn't just pour it out. But it tells us in Mark chapter 14, verse 3, it says, A woman came with an alabaster box, to a very expensive perfume. She broke the box at the feet of Jesus. And she poured it on him. It's an amazing story. Because this box represented her past. This box that she would carry around represented who everyone knew she was and the lifestyle that she lived. It's everything she had that defined who she was. But I don't believe she wanted to live that life anymore. And it says that she got down and broke the box at the feet of Jesus. She broke it. She crushed it. And as I'm reading this story, I start thinking about my own life. Of how many times we have let this box define us. We have let this box put its lid back on us. 
We have let this box decide the type of man or the type of woman that we think we should be. But we've been trying to get out of it, but it keeps bringing us back in. We've been trying to get out, but it keeps bringing us back in. Today, what we need to do with our box is take it to the feet of Jesus. We need to take it to the feet of Jesus. Years ago, I remember having that box of mine sitting in my apartment one day, lost, wrecked, all alone. And I remember just sitting there wondering, God, I can't live like this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. I need you to do something. And I remember that night of getting on my knees. Just sitting here. And in my mind, breaking my box at the feet of Jesus. And I remember sitting there with tears coming down my eyes just saying, God, I need you. I can't do this alone. And I need you to intervene into my life. Maybe today, you've tried everything. Maybe today, you just need to drop onto your knees into the presence of God and to just say, God, I need you. Because I've tried everything else, but it's not working. We don't just need to give him our box. We don't need to just pour out what's in our box. We need to break the box at the feet of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe today you've been you've been struggling. Maybe 2019 was a year where you just want to forget. You almost wish it didn't happen. And you've been praying, God, I need 2020 to be a year of your love, to be a year of your blessings. And I need you to intervene. Today, maybe you need Jesus in your life. You need him to touch your box. You need him to tell you to get up 
And you need to get up and do what he has called you to do.